better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, I know better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio one episode at a time. If you're looking for Chapman Graphic Arts, that's down the hall. Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 9, entitled The Cane. Before we get started, I'd like to ask Kayleen, how are you doing? I just ate nine caramels. (laughs) So, I'm doing as well as you would expect. So Trader Joe's has these boxes of um, Mm. taste test caramels. Mm. And the idea is that like, oh, you and a friend or maybe like uh, two other people all each have a little bite of the caramel and then you guess what the flavor is. I like it. I do it every year. Uh-huh. We do it. We've done it multiple times. It's the fun. Thing is, we've already done it once this year. Well, Kaylin. I bought two boxes. <laughs> I bought two. I thought I was going to use them with someone else, and I didn't. So I did one with you and one on my own. <laughs> and I will say that when you don't know what the flavor is, it doesn't taste as good. It's true. Like this time eating these caramels, knowing that I was going to eat be eating a butterscotch caramel or a Himalayan salted or a double espresso or vanilla or balsamic blood orange, mm-hmm. they tasted much better. Hence the nine that I ate is a problem. I got the sugar crankies. Ah, sugar crankies. Sorry, <laughs> got it. Our kids get that sometimes. <laughs> yes, they definitely do. All right, so Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? I don't want to say The Real Housewives of New York. I love The Real Housewives. I love it. It's like comfort food. It really is. I mean this not judgmentally. I mean this just as a statement of fact. I think you watched it all day yesterday. I did. I had the day, well, I did other, I did my nails. You watched Real Housewives and did your nails. It was was my winter break day, and my children were in childcare, and I dyed my hair, and I painted my nails, and I watched reality television. It's who I am. Anything else? Have you... Yeah, I mean, we haven't recorded in a while, so I know I've watched lots of Christmas movies. Yeah. So should we talk about the one that I know we've been saving for the podcast? What's that? Christmas night, you and I watched. I blocked it out. Snake Eyes. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) I don't even want to talk about that. That's embarrassing. So we decided we wanted to watch something um, mindless. For the record, I wanted to watch Congo. Yeah. I just, I want that on air. Okay. Recorded. I would have preferred Congo. (laughs) We still haven't watched They Live. I know I owe you that. <laughs> yes. What was the other one we had? We had Congo, Snake Eyes, or... Die Hard. Die Hard would have been okay, too. It felt but... a little on the nose to watch on Christmas night, but we decided to watch Snake Eyes. I was surprised. I told you that I thought Die Hard was a Christmas movie, and you really went off on a little rant about that. So the people who want to have the argument about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie really want to have that argument... And that argument is very, very stale, I think, at this point. And I find it very irritating. You hate it. (laughs) It's the kind of thing that the internet takes too far. And so, like, when the internet wants to argue about whether a hot dog is a sandwich, Mm -hmm. it's like... uh, Or is cereal soup? Oh, my God. Like, yes, we got it. Thanks. (laughs) 
So we watched Snake Eyes, which is a movie from 1993, uh, two, one, zero. <laughs> <laughs> I think more like 97 or 98, starring. No, no, I'm gonna look it up. Okay, there's. No, I don't think. I think it was early 90s. 97. That's my final guess. I'm gonna say 93. Uh, damn it, 98. Why are you always right? I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Is this going to be a salty episode? <laughs> it might be. Okay. I'm a little punchy. Okay. Should I should I uh, lean into that and put on my dukes, or should I try to mollify you? You know exactly what you're going to get, Jordan. We've been together long enough. Almost 20 years. Push the buttons you want to push, my friend. <laughs> you know the result you're going to get. So we watched Snake Eyes. It was a crappy movie, but it was a wild ride. I couldn't even pay attention to it. I feel like I was zoning out for a lot of it. I mean, it's a conspiracy movie for dumb people, so you don't have to pay attention to follow <laughs> what's happening. Yeah, and the closely. acting was bad. And the like... acting was wild. It was Nick Cage oh, going yeah. nuts. Yeah. So I was telling Kayleen that when I was a kid, like 10, 11, 12, I saw a commercial for this movie on TV, and I was like, that's like a grown-up movie. That's like the kind of movie that I'm not supposed to see. That's like for grown-ups. Yeah. And so here we are, what, 25 years later, and I finally watched it, and I'm like, oh, this is trash. But it was really interestingly shot trash. Like some of the... Yes, I will say the only redeeming factor in this film was the cinematography was quite interesting. Yeah, long tracking shots and like... Lots of weird pans mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Yeah, it was probably overshot, I suppose you would say the direction kind of called attention to itself yeah the two things i wanted to point out were uh it has two actors who appear in news radio so one of the guys running the casino is mike Starr, who played the super right who put out the rat traps in rat funeral and then it also has david anthony higgins in a small role he was ned campbell the guy she kind of tricks to go up to his hotel room. Oh, right. He yeah. plays somebody coming up in the next couple of episodes. Okay. I won't say who. Great. All right. We have started asking a question of each other at oh, the yeah. top of the episode. Keelan, you said that you have one for me. I have me. a question. Okay. Jordan, who can you remember being your first crush, character crush from a television show? I mean, this is embarrassing, but Stephanie Tanner. (laughs) We'll pin a rose on your nose. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just thought she was really funny. So I think by the time it was getting toward the end of Full House and she was like 13, 14, Mm. would have made me like 9 or 10. Mm. I was kind of like, hmm. She's looking good. Looking good. She did that cover of Ace of Base, All That She Wants. I don't. No, the sign. I'm sorry. She covered the sign. What am I thinking? I can't touch your full house knowledge, so I don't I don't know. No one can. No one can. I also was uh, attracted to Melissa Joan Hart. Mm-hmm. Sabrina. No, Clarissa Explains It All. Clarissa Explains It All and Sabrina the Teenage Right, yep. right. But like you would have first seen her as Clarissa. Yes. Yeah, she was cute. Mm-hmm. That's it. See, that's why I think in my head, that's probably why I've always pictured your type as being a blonde girl. I know, and... And I'm not blonde. You're not. And I've never been, probably never will be. No. That wouldn't look good on you. No, I'm too pale. In the words of Ron Swanson, I'm a simple man. 
I like breakfast foods and pretty dark-haired women. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kayleen, who was your first TV crush? I did have a crush on Steve, DJ Tanner's boyfriend. Aladdin. Aladdin. I mean, I kind of had a crush on Aladdin. Sure. Also. Yep. So the fact that like he did the voice was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember having a little bit of a crush on Joey Lawrence from Blossom. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> I was going to do that. Yep. Then, yep. I don't even really like have clear. I think in my head, because he was quite a bit older than me. I don't really have clear memories of like anything about him that stood out to me. I think in my head, I just thought like, oh, he's like an older teenage boy. At that age, you're kind of just very susceptible to like, I think that's the person I'm supposed to like. Yeah, he's an older boy and other girls think he's cute. So I should think he's cute too. I guess I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any others. I'm trying to think about the shows that I watched. Yeah, I can't really think of anything. I had a crush on Lisa Miller when I was watching this as a 13, 14 year old. I found her very alluring. Hmm. I always had a crush on Ross from Friends. Really? I think I'm the only girl that of the three guys on Friends would have gone for Ross. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like, Joey's supposed to be the one who's, like, attractive or gets all the women. I've always found him to be... (laughs) And I always thought Chandler was funny but sad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, I wouldn't have time for his, like, self-deprecating humor. Like, I like self-deprecating humor, don't get me wrong, but... When it's actually, like, I'm actually, I actually hate myself. (laughs) Right, yeah. Then it's just sad. Yeah. And I always thought Ross was so underappreciated. Like, he's so smart. He's a professor at New York University of paleontology. Like, that's hot. Mm. And he's, like, super smart and is, like, sensitive and kind of emotional and maybe a little bit, like, dramatic. Mm. But, yeah, I always really liked Ross. Maybe that makes me a weird girl. I don't know. Maybe. That's okay. Yeah. I've always liked really smart guys, though. Like, that's a lot of what attracted me to you, is I just really like... I like guys who know stuff and are interested in learning. Mm. You know? I know a lot of stuff. Clearly. (laughs) We know. You always (laughs) kick ass at my trivia questions. Good question. Yeah. As always, feel free to leave us your answer to the question on social media or reach out to us if you have a question that you would like to hear us discuss. All right, let's set the cultural context for this episode. We have two new number ones this week. The first is a new number one at the box office. Would you like to take a guess? No, because <laughs> you know my guess. It's Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's animated. Fern Gully. You're off by... <laughs> At least two or three years. I don't remember when Ferengully came out. I'm like, what other animated movies came out? Uh, some Disney movie? I'll Aladdin? give you a hint. It's 3D animated. Toy Story. Correct. Nice. Yeah, Toy Story came out and broke a lot of box office records. Yeah. Did you see that in the theaters? I don't honestly remember. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen that movie so many times. That was another movie that I think our family had. Hmm. So we would watch it on family vacations and stuff. Huh. I was in fifth grade, so I was still, a, I guess, a little enough kid that it was kind of aimed at people my age, so it was a big deal, I remember. Buzz Lightyear was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I got okay. nothing else okay. to say. I thought, <laughs> like, okay. I thought maybe you would have more there. 
and the number one song on the Billboard charts. I'm going to play for you. Ready? You've got a friend in me. Yep, it's Randy Newman. You've You've got got a friend in me. Is doing anything for you? Kind of, yeah. song to seduce me sometime (laughs) it might work i'm just saying those songs like they hit something deep in me okay (laughs) i might laugh but it also might do it might work it might work okay listen i'm writing it down yes (laughs) god boys to men was everywhere in the mid 90s like they they were inescapable i remember this just being a huge that sound that is what, like, 1995 sounded like on the radio. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the news radio episode? Whatever. <laughs> is that what we're here for? I mean, honestly, that's the most, that is the least interesting part of this podcast for me. <laughs> you knew what you were getting. Keely, when I ask you, just in the future, when I ask you, should we talk about the news radio episode? Please don't say whatever. <laughs> You knew what you were getting. How about a... Okay. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. Yeah, it's late. We're going to be punchy. Okay. This is The Cane. It first aired December 12th, 1995. It was written by Brad Isaacs and directed by Alan Meyerson. The synopsis is, Mr. James hosts a staff retreat in his office... Bill buys a cane and annoys Dave with it. And that's pretty much the whole episode. The only thing that leaves out is kind of Dave and Lisa's bickering, as well as Joe and Matthew's bickering. I feel like Dave and Lisa's bickering is related to the retreat. I think so. Yeah. And what even was Joe and Matthew's stupid? That was dumb. Yep. What even was that? All right. In the first scene, Bill comes in with the titular cane. He says... She's over 100 years old, mahogany, with a solid brass tip. Dave uh, hates it from the get-go. He calls it an obvious affectation. Bill's lines throughout the episode describing the cane are what make this episode to me. They are the, like, the core of this episode and pretty much the only thing that make the episode worth watching. Yeah, I love the cane. You do? I love the cane. It made me want a cane. I wrote, nice cane. Tappy tap. I don't think this episode is supposed to make you want a cane. I want a cane. Like, I was watching him gesture with it, and I was like, yes. Okay. Yes. I think I could imagine a cane as an extension of my hand. Huh. And I think that there is something to using a cane as a personality implement, as opposed to using it as, you know, for something functional. This is it being an obvious affectation. It's like wearing a monocle. Or it's like, 
It's like wearing glasses without, with like not prescription frames. Yeah, or it's like being the guy who wears a bow tie. I mean, yeah. I feel like a bow tie is different in that, like, it's an accessory that's meant to kind of zhuzh you up. Yeah. Like, glasses are meant to help you see. A cane is meant to help you walk. Yes. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, is there something kind of gauche about wearing glasses without a prescription? I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to change the way you look. Is there something, I don't know, weirdly offensive about using a cane just because you want to gesture more... (laughs) Animatedly, I don't know, but I felt like I wanted a cane at the end of this episode. Okay. That is not the uh, reaction I expected, but that's... I expected you to say that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was like, Jordan's going to think I hate the cane, but I actually really like the cane. The problem is if I had a cane, I think I would I would tappy-tap everything. Yeah, I would, you would. I would hit everything. Yeah. I would... I'd probably hurt <laughs> others Yourself. or myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, like when he does the little, like when the guy is asking, yeah. asking for directions. Yeah. Oh my God, it's like he was going to break into a song in a musical. I he did. It. He had the kind of recitative, like, I da, know. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I loved it. Great. Okay. I li- yeah, Excellent. I was all about it. I also like that he keeps referring it to as her, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is really funny. Yeah, I thought that, that too. Not only does he have this affectation. Yes. <laughs> you're jealous of her, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like you said, uh, a guy comes in and Bill uses the cane to direct him to the graphic arts place. Um, and then at the very end of the scene, we have Bill using the cane to whip a bagel into Dave's office. Yeah, I didn't like that as much. Okay. That felt unsanitary. That's. <laughs> do you think the cane is not self-sanitary? Do you think he wipes down his cane? Well, his hand's all over it. And yeah. then if he's going to eat a bagel. Also, I think that, like, flinging something off the end of a stick like that would yeah. be really hard to get decent aim. Mm, that's probably true. That's probably the third or fourth time something has gone flying into Dave's office. That's true. This is not a pattern I noticed when I watched it the first time, but mm. make a note of that. That's another thing that goes flying into Dave's office. So after the credits, we have Matthew at his desk. Uh, I have to point out, Kayleen. Sweater vest, ombre. I wrote it yeah, down. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice looking sweater vest. It's a little geometric ombre lavender. Mm-hmm. First sweater vest of this season, I believe. It's the most modern looking one. All the other ones he's had were very dark brown, forest green, mm-hmm. navy blue. This was the first that actually had a little bit of bright color in it. Yeah. Still a sweater vest. Mm. So Matthew is concerned that Joe hates him and that he's zapping him with hate rays. Zap, zap, zap. Yeah, that whole, that whole runner, like... Dumb. I don't, like, I have nothing to say about that runner. I didn't even, okay. like, I did not even feel, there was no tension that I felt. There was nothing to resolve in the end. Sure. It was just like, oh, he, we got to give these guys some lines. Yeah, I, I guess so. I think they're figuring out that Joe plus Matthew is a pretty funny combination. Like, just to watch them bounce off of each other. I think that's. I mean, I guess I they're fine as friends. They're like an odd couple of friends. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to start counting, I think. Uh, Maybe I'll just drop a little, like, ding in here. I'm going to start counting every time Dave tells people to get back to work. I think he has to say that, like, at least once an episode. He's constantly asking, like, can't we all just get back to work? Hmm. It's a real, it's a real, like, tick in the, like, writing of this show, is that Dave doesn't know what else to say besides get back to work. Or, like, that's how they end the scene. They don't know how to end the scene. right. Okay, why is he walking away from them right now? Well, he says, uh, everybody get back to work and starts walking back to his office. Sure. Hmm. So it turns out that Joe just wants some space. He's had lunch with Matthew every day for like five months. 
and so he just needs him to leave him alone. I've noticed that, uh, that this is real kid behavior from Matthew, just kind of, like, does not know how to handle the fact that somebody needs some personal space. And right. so, like, the very fact that Joe doesn't want to be around him makes him want to be around him more. So Bill comes in. He declares that it's perfect cane weather out there. Mr. James comes in and admires Bill's cane. Anyway, there's an annual staff retreat tonight. Lisa knew about it, but Dave didn't. Mr. James says that the last one was a hoot. Hoot and a half. A hoot and a half, I'll tell you what. Remember, remember last year when we went till like old five in the morning? <laughs> what, what, wasn't that a hoot? I wasn't there last year, sir. Oh, right. Lisa, wasn't that a hoot? It's a hoot and a half, sir. A hoot and a half, I'll tell you. I'm talking about a hoot. That was, that was a hoot. <laughs> So Dave is now concerned that he doesn't have any ideas for the retreat, and Lisa says, we'll just come up with some stuff on the fly. And he is really fixated and upset about that. And so she says, what did you do in high school when you had a pop quiz? And he says, I hyperventilated and got a note from the nurse. In the next scene, they're all in Mr. James's office. I think this might be the first time we've ever seen Mr. James's office. Yeah, this whole retreat thing, I also thought was so stupid. It didn't quite work. It didn't make any sense. I'm like, why didn't they just stay at the office? Like they all, or is he on a different floor? Is this a different building? Building. And then they say the word retreat, which I'm thinking overnight, long term, and like these women are in pencil skirts sitting on the floor. Yeah. There's nothing about this that indicates all nighter. There's no food. There's nothing. Yeah. Comfortable. Yep. There's no, like, it doesn't make any sense. No. And then they're in there for five minutes and then they leave. And that happens three times. I think there's no really good place this could have been done in the ordinary office set that we know. I don't think it would have worked to be in the office. I just think they shouldn't have used the word retreat. Mm. Like, retreat to me is every retreat I've ever gone on that's been called a retreat has been... Overnight, I wear pajamas or like, you know, something like that. Or it's a whole day. Yeah. Like 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. in one conference room doing a thing all day. Mm. And what they were doing was not any of that. Yeah, that's true. So Bill signals with his cane that he has a question. And his question is, my ass hurts. Well, yeah. He's sitting on the floor. I mean, I like sitting on the floor. I don't mind that. But, like, he's also in his work clothes. Yeah. I hate sitting on the floor. I can tell. We're sitting on the floor right now. It's not comfortable. (laughs) Uh, Mr. James's assistant comes in. That's played by Jane Lynch. I wrote that down. The thing I know her best is the... um, Gym teacher. The gym teacher from... Something. She wears, like, a red Adidas suit. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm gonna. Maybe let it's a you, movie. I'm gonna let you figure it out. The thing I know her best is she's the boss in the Forty Year Old Virgin, the boss at the electronics store where they all work. I um, mean, she's been in a million things now. Glee. Uh When I show you this picture, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah." Oh okay, sure. I just rewatched the community Christmas episode where they're making fun of Glee. I've never seen a single episode of Glee, the show. Me neither. I never saw it. Hmm. Which is kind of surprising. you think I would have liked it. Yeah. But I've never, I mean, I were the trappings of a theater kid, a musical yeah. theater kid, but I'm not, I was never a real musical theater kid. I never drank that Kool-Aid fully. Sure. I was in a few musicals in my life. Sure. But I never really got into musicals outside of being in them, actually. Yeah. I had friends who were theater kids way more than I was one myself. 
And to the extent that there was any bonhomie between us, it was just the fact that they were weirdos in their own way and we were weirdos in our own way. And right. so it was like, okay, well, we're not, we're not the cool kids, but... We're all emotional. <laughs> yeah, I was emotional. That's true. So Lisa and Dave both pull out some uh, materials to present their ideas. Um, Beth puts three cards on top of the briefcase, and Billy uses the cane to point out one, two, three cards. I wrote down, I thought he was charming. <laughs> I don't really like Bill that much, but the cane, I, it made me like him more. Wow. Okay. I wish, I, I wish the cane would stick around. Wow. Lisa shoots down Dave's idea for a call-in show, and then the whole thing ends with Mr. James leaving to talk to Paul Simon, which is kind of like a dumb throwaway joke. Uh, but Dave is pretty unhappy that Lisa was so callously rejecting his idea. Yeah, they had a weird competitive thing going on. Yep. I wrote, I did write down, though, that like this feels like a little bit of a callback to the fact that she wanted his job. Yeah. And now it's like he's insecure that she is going to upstage him. Yes. And um, it's a weird tension. That's a good point. I hadn't you know? thought about it like that. I, this is just the most like Dave and Lisa butting heads that we've seen in a while. I mean, it's like back to season one where it's like Lisa showing that she should have been the one to get his job. Mm. Like she's more qualified than him. Mm. This episode is made up of a lot of very short scenes in the next one. Bill comes out of the booth and his cane is missing, so he immediately yells at everyone and suspects that Dave stole it. Two weird things that happen in this episode is, and something with the direction, I don't really quite understand, but there are two different instances where the camera is not focused on the person who is speaking. And so one of those is when Bill is threatening Dave. Dave is walking back into his office and the camera is just fully on Dave, but you hear Bill talking to him saying something like, when I find my cane, me and my cane will find you. And it's just very strange. Yeah. It doesn't quite yeah. work. No, it doesn't. It's very unusual for the show to have that like off-camera dialogue coming mm -hmm. from someplace else. I'll point out the other one later on, too, but it, there must have been some weird mix-up in editing or how it was shot or something, but it doesn't mm -hmm. quite work. They try the retreat again the next night. Joe proposes a fully interactive online website which Matthew thinks is stupid, and then this time Dave shoots down Lisa's idea purely out of spite. I also like that Bill says, Dave stole my cane and my ass still hurts. The next day, Dave and Lisa are eating in the break room and the rest of the staff keep coming in and toying with them. Basically, they have different items like a jar of pickles, a soda bottle, a can of beans, and they keep getting <laughs> Dave and Lisa to try to open them. Uh, Lisa opens the bottle by hitting it on the table, to which Bill says, I'm assuming you dated a lot of frat guys. Yeah. That's kind of a cool trick. I was never able to do that. Like open a beer bottle by... I feel like I either could do that or I saw people do that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I did that. Okay. I can imagine myself holding a bottle like this and like hitting it. But did I, I drink out of bottles a lot? I don't even remember. Did I drink out of bottles or cans in college? I guess, like, when I would go to the bar, I would drink out of a pint glass, yeah. right? Yeah. And then at home, I guess I drank out of bottles. You'd get, like, a Miller Light. Yeah, Bud Light. Bud I was, Light. Remember how I used to drink a lot of Bud Light and mm -hmm. you were embarrassed? No, I don't know that I was embarrassed. You, you did not love when we would go to the bars and all your little fancy friends would order their, like, fancy little domestic or imported whatevers, and I would be like, Bud Light! <laughs> 
I could feel, I knew you were cringing inside. It was okay. So I was kind of a beer snob. So I couldn't understand why someone would like Bud Light personally. Because uh, it was cheap and I could drink it fast. Exactly. And like, a li- and like yeah. you know. And you don't have the care. taste for other no. things. Yeah, I get it. No. It would have been a waste for me to get something fancier. Sure. Anyway, I just thought it was a cool trick. Mm-hmm. I bet I've tried that and I bet I've marred at least one table in my life <laughs> trying to do that trick. In the next scene, uh, Matthew knocks his phone off his desk just to get Joe to try to fix it. Joe gets up in his face. It's not that I don't like you, I just like you a lot more if you weren't bugging me all the time. Bugging? You know, what you call bugging, other people call communicating. Well, I don't want to communicate with you. <laughs> Look, I'm the kind of person that needs to share my feelings. Well, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like to be bugged. And I'm a little bit country. Come <laughs> uh-huh. on. Dude, you are a freak. And you're, you're a, a little, freak. You're a little bit rock and roll. Leave me alone, man. I don't like rock Joe. That kind of made me smirk. It was just like an unexpected yeah. thing. But I did write down Matthew and Joe. It's a plot. It's yeah, not yeah that that's what I meant. That just whole line of plot. Yeah. Later on, Mr. James calls in just Dave and Lisa. It turns out that they have decided to work together instead of arguing. And apparently Mr. James wanted to see them fight, he says. Oh, gee, what the hell kind of fun is this? I'm all geared up for kickboxing and you give me synchronized swimming. So he's disappointed with them. He gives them some line about how if Henry Ford and John Chrysler had been sleeping together, we'd all still be traveling around in horse and buggies. So later on, when that comes up again, John Chrysler or Jack Chevrolet <laughs> yeah. or Bill Pontiac. Bill Pontiac, I did. I was like, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I would totally buy that if somebody was like, oh, yeah, Jack Chevrolet. He invented the Chevrolet. I'd be like, yep. Of course he did. Of course. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Henry Ford. He was a real person, sure. so why not Jack Chevrolet? Yeah. I'm not dumb. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, in the next scene, Dave is mediating between Joe and Matthew, and he repeats Mr. James's line about the horse and buggy, and <laughs> they call him out about who is John Chrysler. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either, but I do know if Henry Ford and John Chrysler would spend all their time bickering... We'd still be driving around in a horse and buggy. Um, who, who's John Chrysler? The, the guy that invented the Chrysler? There's no such person as John Chrysler. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is he by any chance related to Jack Chevrolet? <laughs> he does a really nice job of delivering that line, like... That's ridiculous, but I'm also trying to be polite, but I'm also calling you on your bullshit. Bill comes in and quote-unquote apologizes for accusing Dave of stealing the cane, but he's clearly searching for it, like under the couch and under the table. There's just some great physical comedy from Phil Hartman. Hmm. Um, He's just in his element. He ends up sniffing out the fact that Dave stuck the cane to the side of the building. He yells, I read your book, you magnificent bastard. Does that line mean anything to you? No. I believe that's Patton. I know that the movie Patton came up for us a long time ago oh. in this podcast, but George Patton says that, I believe, to Erwin uh, Rommel, who was the Desert Fox. He was the German general in North Africa in the Second World War. Hmm. I believe there's a line where he says, I read your book. He calls him a magnificent bastard. I feel like I've heard the line. I've heard the, your insult or 
compliment. <laughs> yeah, it is kind it's of a, a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a complicit. I think that's where that comes from. Mm. There's some great line delivery from Dave where he says, hey, Bill. I stole your cane. I hated the way he delivered that line. Oh, really? Oh, God. He looked like a creepy little 10-year-old when he said that. God, his face. Wow. Okay. I just really didn't like it. I felt like there was there were 10 more funny ways he could have delivered that line. I don't know. Oh, I thought it I worked just, really well. No, I didn't like it. It almost felt like he was breaking character. Oh, well, interesting. I, I, th- like I thought it was just the like playfulness of the relationship between them coming out. Well, it also bugged me that like you had no business stealing his cane. <laughs> Rude. I just, I did, I had no idea this would be the episode in which Kayleen defends the cane. I just. Oh I, yeah, I figured. I was like, he's going to think I hate this cane. Yes. And then I really got irritated that he freaking broke it. Yes, he breaks it over his knee. Well, one, there's no fucking way he could do that. It's mahogany Solid over his mahogany, knee. No way. Totally. No way. Yep. But I wrote, it was shitty of him to break that cane. Like that was just, it was a hundred years old. He really liked it. And what, for what? Because you just don't like it. I'm just saying if my boss, imagine if you had something in your office or if I had something in my office and our boss came in and they were like, I just don't like this thing that you have. And you're like, well, I like it. And then they broke it in front of you. Wouldn't you just be livid? Yeah. Like boundaries. No, you're right. You're right. I think this is the back and forth between. I get it. Like I, and I get Bill. what they're trying to do. Yes. But. Like they each give as good as they get. My hypothesis or my um, fan reading of this is that Bill got tricked and it's definitely not solid mahogany and it's definitely not a hundred years old, but he doesn't know the difference. So some, so some guy on the street sold this to him for way too much money. That's my, uh, that's my implied backstory here. But even so, it doesn't matter. No, no. All I'm saying is that's how he was able to snap it over his knee. Oh, I did like how it ended with the canes coming in. Yes. That's a very, very well-known, well-remembered part of the episode. So (laughs) Bill tells Dave, you know that I'm just going to go buy another cane. And Dave says, you know, I'm just going to go steal it again. And so Bill has several canes tossed into him. Beth, here's one you can take right now. This one you can break later. Here's one for the Hamptons. This one I like, I keep. This one displeases me. And that's the end of the episode. What did you think of this episode? It was fine. It feels very similar to the others. Like, it wasn't really bad, and it wasn't really good. Yeah. The cane was the only redeeming factor for me. So I've got to tell you, and I didn't tell you this in advance because you don't want to know, Mm -hmm. this is a very, very beloved episode. Oh, really? Because of the cane subplot. Yeah. Like, it's very well remembered among people who like news radio. Yeah. And a lot of times, even if somebody's just a casual fan, they'll say, oh, that episode where Bill has the cane... Like, that yeah. is one that sticks out in people's minds. I understand that. It feels like they could have done more with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have been funnier. He could have... I don't know. I feel like they, they could have made it even a larger plot and gotten rid of the whole stupid Matthew and Joe mm. thing. There are a lot of things in this show where I feel like they almost have too large of an ensemble cast. And mm. they, you can tell that the writers don't know what to do with all with of them. With all of them, yeah. Like, the retreat. What the hell are Joe and Beth doing at this retreat? Yes. Like, they have nothing to... Th- I mean, I guess, he, I guess he threw out the idea of a website. Yeah. But even then, I was like... Are we supposed to believe that he would build a website? He's supposed to be like an electrician or a handyman. Yeah. 
I know. And again, they give Catherine basically nothing to do in this episode. Right. It's kind of disappointing. And there's all these extras all the time in the <laughs> yeah. background. Yeah. So I'm like, why aren't they at this retreat? What are yeah. their jobs? Like, Beth is at the retreat, but the, all these extras? Beardy's gone. He's gone. Long, Long gone. gone. Yep. Sayonara, Beardy. This is where I queue up Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about all there is to say about this. That means that now it's time for... Yo, it's the 90s. All right, did you catch anything 90s, Kayleen? Not a single thing. I couldn't find... I couldn't think of a single thing. Yeah, I had a hard time as well. This isn't... I mean, this isn't even a 90s thing, but I can't believe that he can open his window and there's nothing on it protective. Like, the cane was just taped to the outside of the window, and there's no screen, there's no bar, there's no... Like, his windows can open. There's on the 14th floor. Yeah. Like, that doesn't... I mean, the window opened in the smoking episode. Right. That blew all those papers around. Yeah, that's true. There will be other instances where windows the windows open. Are, can open. Right, like, that doesn't seem like in today. I can't imagine windows can open that high up. That's interesting. I, I guess know. I have no idea. I, don't, I haven't spent enough time in skyscrapers. But I was like, just, you know, safety things in general are more lax in the 80s and 90s sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. The uh, closest thing I know is that some of those high rises in Las Vegas have bars over the windows. But that's because they don't want people throwing themselves out of those well, fancy yeah. hotels. But yeah. like, maybe that's not a consideration for like office buildings in right. Manhattan. I don't know. The only thing I could think of was the fully interactive online website. Oh, yeah. The very fact that that's a novel, interesting idea. Sure. Is kind that's of true. surprising. That's true. So that's the only 90s thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, pretty 90s light, I thought. All right, and now it's time for... Game. The game. In this episode, Dave and Lisa learn that despite being a couple, they can get more done if they collaborate, if they work together and produce something bigger through their own contributions rather than fighting each other. Similarly, this game is all about famous couples who have collaborated on something. Oh, okay. So I am going to give you the thing they have collaborated on. Oh, Whether no. that's a piece of art. Sure. And in most cases, it is a piece of art. Music, movies, TV, sure, sure, artwork, that sure. sort of thing. And I need you to give me the couple. The people? Mm-hmm. All right. Are you ready? I'll do my best. Okay. Question number one. A quiet place. I just thought of this. Actually, I was like, I wonder if he'll say a quiet place. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Very good. I love them. I just like, I, if they got divorced, I would be sad. Really? Yeah. I just really like both of them as actors. I don't have crushes on both of them. Mm. I just think they're cool. Just think they're real cool. I kind of want to kiss both of them. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't want to kiss John Krasinski. Would you? No. 
Just even to say that you did. No. He was like, Jordan, I just really need to kiss you. If I pushed him away, he would somehow need to get to me. Yes. Is that what you That's a reference to Friends. No, it's The Office, too. Oh, is it The Office? Why would I think They're talking friends? about, Andy's talking about Brad Pitt. Yes, you're right. Oh, okay. I would definitely resist yes. it first. Gosh, you know But what? if he pushed it, I might go with it. No. And Oscar you know, says because he would somehow need you, to get to you. Yes. You know what confused me is Brad Pitt was on friends oh but he didn't play brad pitt he played ross geller's friend oh and that was when he and that was when he and um jennifer aniston were either dating or married got it i think they were married then yeah and he guest starred on friends oh sorry i got one (laughs) very good question number two i've got you babe oh sharon sunny bono I think you might be the only person in the history of the world who has said Sharon, Sonny. <laughs> well, Cher is more famous in my mind. Sure. But the, the act was known as Sonny and Cher. Yeah. That's all. What? How would you say it? Sonny and Cher is the name of the act. Oh. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah. Sonny but, Bono is... But his name is Sonny Bono, so I'm not going to say, like, Sonny Bono and Cher. No. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Cher is just Cher. No last name. Oh, yeah. Question number three. The Muppet Show. Oh, Jim Henson. And am I half right? You're either overthinking it or underthinking it. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure I am. You're not thinking about it. The Muppet Show? Henson. Jim Henson did The Muppets. Okay, so not The Muppet Show, but... The Muppets show. <laughs> so every episode on The Muppet Show, the Muppets would put on a show. Right? That was the... Oh, like Kermit and Miss Piggy? Correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of like Hanna-Barbera. Like, is this like, is there like Henson and Hooligan? <laughs> like, who am I missing here? Henson and Hooligan. That's a crime show from the 70s. <laughs> No, it's not. No, it sounds like it, though. It Damn it, hooligan. All right, this one's a little weird. Sorry. I'll just grant you. It's so a, are you. It's a little weird. Question number four. The modern scientific understanding of radiation. Oh, uh, Pierre and Marie, Marie Curie. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by, like, a horse and buggy or something and to he died did he really yeah like i think marie curie died of radiation poisoning or she died of like sure i mean (laughs) bad for you to be around radiation yeah he got hit by like he like stepped out of their lab or whatever and got hit by a horse and buggy and died or something i know isn't that sad i think i think i'm not making that up Uh, i hope not she's the only person ever to have won nobel prizes in two different disciplines did you know that i think i did know that actually physics and chemistry right pretty cool Question number five. Blowing in the wind. Bob Dylan. And. I don't know. I'm going to say it and you're going to. Don't tell me then. Give me a second. Is it a woman? Yes. Why do I want to say like Janis Joplin? But that doesn't seem like that would make any sense. The name is kind of similar. Ugh, I don't know. That'd be Joan Baez. Oh, Okay. Nah. This next one is... <laughs> this next one is tricky, because I can't say the name of the thing, because it gives it away. 
but it's a 50s black and white domestic TV sitcom. Oh, uh, Desi and Lucy. Mm Mm-hmm. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Very good. Yeah, exactly. I used to watch it with my grandma. I love Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Did you know that was the first show to feature a pregnant woman? That's right. But they couldn't say that she was pregnant on the show? She was with child? No. They had to say she was expecting. Uh, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Isn't that crazy, the idea that, like, it was inappropriate to acknowledge the fact that women carry children in their bodies? Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. That was question number six. Question number seven. This is the only one where you're probably going to throw it back in my face. Uh Uh-oh. French existentialism. You're going to be mad. I don't know it. (laughs) Camus can do, but... Camels cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that line from... The Simpsons? No. Oh, okay. It's um, Jay Sherman, the critic, showing off to Patty and Selma. Yeah, I remember the critic. Camus can do, but... No. Sartre is smartra. Can I, Jordan? That would be Jean-Paul Sartre. Sure. And his uh, partner, Simone de Beauvoir. Nope. Okay. Question number eight. So the collaboration here is a team of superheroes. Hmm. I don't do well. The Fantastic Four oh, was no. put together by... I don't... I, I'm so bad at the comic stuff, you know that. Literal power couple. Power couple? Yes. You've heard the term power couple? Yeah. This is a literal power couple, in that they both have powers. I have no idea. That would be Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. Nope. Reed okay. Richards and Susan Storm. No. Okay. Yeah, you like, that is... Anything comic book superhero related i am if it goes deeper than teenage mutant ninja turtles (laughs) i don't know you know i i want to give you ones you know Mm -hmm. but i also want to give you the chance to surprise me you You want to see what i know yeah i want you to give i want to give you the chance to pull some knowledge out of some notes my ass okay a little crude kayleen hey we have the explicit warning already on here we might as well use it (laughs) we do All right, question number nine. Uh, We could choose a couple of different collaborations here, but I'm going to pick one that's probably the best known, and that would be The Umbrellas. Oh, Cristo and... Why do I want to say Jean-Paul? That's not right. You're so close. I know, Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude, very good. Yes, the... uh... What would you call it? Installation artists? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that or the Gates. The Gates is the mm-hmm. one that's happened in my lifetime. Christo passed away a few years ago. Yeah. They just, uh, that's right. And they just did one that was the Arc de Triomphe mm-hmm. wrapped. Mm-hmm. And that was very recent, wasn't mm-hmm. it? This past year. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Question number 10. Ring of Fire. Johnny Cash and June Carter. Very good. This is the best I've ever done. You did great. You did. These great. were kind of softball, but I'll take it. Uh, I don't know that they were. I told you ahead of time that I struggled to find ten. <laughs> but, okay, so you got seven out of ten. I think I got eight. No, you're eight. Because I missed the comic book one, and I missed the existentialist one, and I missed the Bob Dylan one. Yep. 
Although I still think I should have gotten half point, but that's fine. Well, I gave you, <laughs> I gave you a lot of hints uh, around things like the Muppet Show. So <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, nicely done. Good performance, Kayleen. Thank you. Now is the point in our show where we recommend, Kayleen. Oh, what do you have to recommend tonight? I am a little dull. That's not nice to say, because I'm recommending something that you usually recommend, and that's oh, a book. Great. But it's a book that you recommended to me. I'm going to recommend We Are Satellites. Excellent. By Sarah Pinsker. It is a book that I just read that Jordan read months ago. Yeah. And Jordan sometimes has books that he wants me to read. And Jordan and I, for his, for being together as long as we have... We're not always super good at predicting what the other will like. Yeah. Sometimes we are like hit it right on the money and then yes. sometimes we are way off. So I was a little bit skeptical, but um, nope, this was a good one. I was into it right away. The general plot line is, I guess you call it a science fiction novel. I mean, it's very soft science fiction. Yeah. yeah. So it takes place in the future where there's a, a would you call it a brain implant mm-hmm. a procedure you can have done that makes your brain better at processing multiple pieces of information coming in at the same time. So it doesn't make you smarter, but it makes you able to multitask more efficiently. The example they give a lot is like, you and I could be having a conversation and I could have an earbud in listening to a podcast and I could be like typing an email at the same time. Right. And I could juggle all three of those and do them perfectly. Right. And actually pay attention to all three of them at the same time. Yeah. And it just sort of goes through the life of this family with four members, um, all of whom have various experiences and feelings about this type of implant. And some have it and some don't. And it raises some interesting ideas about what schooling would be like if, you know, half your students had this sort of advantage and the other half didn't and or your workplace, um, the kind of pressure you would feel. I'm sure, I mean, it's not the exact same, but like, you know, smartphones now, like people, the feeling of being left behind uh, with technology, but also the real fears around quick adoption of new technology without it being fully vetted beforehand. Um, One thing I really liked about this is the two main parents are a lesbian couple. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really love that, like, it's a non-issue in this book. Yeah. Like, so many books you read, they, you know, it's more and more common to have gay characters. But it often is part of the plot. And it's sort of pointed out, or it's a gay character, but they're going through coming out. Or they're going through, you know, something that is specific to the challenges that come with being a person in the LGBTQ community. And this was really nice that it was just two lesbian moms mm-hmm. and their kids. And it was just normal. And it's kind of, a, it's a little bit slower plot. I guess I tend to like quick, exciting plots. Yeah. This book is a little bit more about this family and the relationships between them and how this technology affects them. But it was a really great book. So I'm glad I read it. Yeah. And what I like about this is that I read a fair bit of science fiction, and uh, I have a science fiction book club that I'm part of, and they generally did not like this book. Mm -hmm. And I liked it specifically because it shows that good science fiction can just take one question. It's like, what if we had this 
interesting piece of very, very near future technology. What would it look like? And they game it out, like, here's how it would affect individual different kinds of people, and here's how it would affect society and institutions, like you said. But I just like the fact that it can be, like, science fiction without being alien invasions and right. bombs and time travel time travel and yeah. yeah multiple universes like no it's just very soft yeah i think it's, it was 2018 that's mm-hmm. when it was written so it's called we are satellites again by sarah pinsker yeah p-i-n-s-k-e-r nice highly recommend i'm going to recommend a game that i got for our son for christmas he had been talking a lot about this card game that he plays called Sushi Go. He plays it at his childcare, and uh, I was really interested in it, and I got it for him for Christmas, and he's barely wanted to play with me at all. I keep asking him to play it, and he's like, eh, not right now. He wants to play with his Pokemon cards. <laughs> I know, he wants to play with his Tamagotchi. <laughs> um, but it's a really fun card drafting game where you have to build a different course of a sushi meal and it's the rules are super simple like this kind of card has to come in threes this kind of card you know uh has to be in pairs you know you have to pair this kind of card with this kind of card so like you know clearly a seven-year-old can understand it but it was really fun Mm. and uh it goes to show how you know a really fun game can have very simple rules and still be and still produce complex enough outcomes that it can make it engaging to keep playing with it. Also, the thing it shows to me is how much I value great aesthetics in a board or card game. Mm-hmm. Like, the design of it and the little, like, sushi pieces with their, like, smiley faces and stuff are so adorable. And <laughs> I know that different people get different things out of games, but this is one that I just really appreciate. I really appreciate the aesthetics of board games and mm-hmm. the style and how they look and how they feel. This comes from a company called GameRight, and they have also produced some other games that our family really likes. Like, there's a little detective game that we got a few years ago called Outfoxed, where you have to deduce which of the foxes perpetrated the crime. And Stealing the chicken or something? Uh, pie. Pie, yeah. The fox stole the pie. Anyway, that's really super cute, too. And I also like the design, mm-hmm. the visual elements of that game. Great. So... Sushi Go, other things by Game Right. Okay, now is the point in the episode where we rate. Kayleen, do you have some rating scales for us? I do. Stuck pickle jars. Ooh, very nice. On a scale from one to five stuck pickle jars, what would you give this episode? Uh, it's tough because if I'm just rating the cane, I want to give it like a 3.5, 3.7. Yep. But if I'm reading it overall, I have to give it, like, a 2.8. Mm. Kind of like when you get an A in your English class, but you get a C in your math class, and yes. kind of averages out to a B. Yeah. Or it's kind of like having a meal, where, like, you have one really standout, you know, right. protein or, or vegetable or something like that, and then the rest is kind of like, oh, this is fine. It's fine. It's fine. So, um, I don't know. Overall, maybe, like, a 3.2, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give this a 3.5. Specifically for the cane. Um, I just love watching Bill basically prance around with the cane and say things like perfect cane weather, <laughs> things like that. I just wish he did more, like, uh, it's silly, but I wish he said, like, tappy tap tap. <laughs> like, I wish he did more. Did more of that? Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't think that would get grading after a while? 
Uh, I'm sure to some people it would. Even if it hit my ear in a different way, it would have been annoying to me. But hmm. So yeah, speaking specifically of the Kane subplot, I think it's great. If like if there had been more of that, it would have been in the four, four and a half range. Yeah. The other subplots dropped it down. I like Joe and Matthew bouncing off of each other. I like their little yeah. spat. I think the Dave and Lisa stuff is really dull. <laughs> and like that's, or whatever that was trying to be. Yeah, that was not very good. So like I said, this is a very beloved episode among news radio fans and rewatching it. I was surprised that the stuff that wasn't the cane wasn't very good. So I will say 3.5 because okay. like I know that people would easily say this is in their top 10, if not top five episodes. Oh, wow. I don't even know that it fits there for me anymore. Maybe top 10, definitely not top five. Hmm. Have we hit any of your top five yet? That's a great question. We've probably hit some of my top 10. I don't think we've hit my top five, no. Okay. I would say smoking is close. Mm -hmm. I would say rat funeral is Mm -hmm. close. I think rat funeral is my favorite so far. Yeah. I think that one had the most lols for sure. me. Time for bed. <laughs> I think that's it for us. Okay. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.